Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're telling the story of UPS Flight 6. Thanks for listening. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mariah. Hey, Casey. We have a particularly tough story to tell today. Do you remember five years ago, six years ago, whatever, when I listened to the Cracked podcast and then the My Favorite Murder girls were on it, and then I told you about My Favorite Murder, and and then we both listened to My Favorite Murder for a while, and then there was the Albert Fish episode, and I my like heart shut down forever <laughs> mm, yeah did you ever listen to that episode i'm sure i've listened to it i don't remember it per se yeah that's fair i mean <laughs> it was a particularly difficult episode and i think i just want to like say at the top this story is really important and deserves mm. to be told and as you know i was trying to find like shorter stories to tell uh or mini episodes because we want to make all of you happy i thought that this story was relatively straightforward and there's details in here that i just don't want to leave out it's it's worth telling so right um, right but just as like a heads up to everybody listening i think different stories are gonna affect people differently so maybe i'm being selfish to think that this one or silly (laughs) to think that this one would bother everybody as much as it bugged me i think it's like the least selfish thing i don't know i can't tell i can't tell but that's how i I perceive it anyways and i've been told that i represent the audience so you do represent the audience we do not feel like this is selfish we appreciate the trigger warning thank you audience thank you (laughs) um the story we're telling today is ups flight six so ups you know, like package people, right? Cargo planes. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, so uh, UPS Flight 6 is a beautiful 747 traveling from Dubai to Cologne, Germany. The flight takes place on September 3rd, 2010. So really not long ago. Maybe to some mm. of our listeners, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Just so you know, it wasn't. <laughs> Literally feels like yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have clothes that I still wear from 2010. So Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah. <laughs> For all of our beloved uh, aviation junkies, it's a 747-44AF. So it's a, so it's, it's, it's 747-AF, but it is, <laughs> it's a cargo plane, right? So the design is different. 747s are um, unique in the cargo world because the nose can like open up so like something that's like a really long piece like military equipment and stuff like that where you have something that's really super big and long Mm. the only other way to ship something huge and long is on a boat so you get a boat Mm. or a 747 and um there the whole like head can kind of like pop up and you can slide something big down the whole like body of the 747 right so they still make 747s for that reason because they're uniquely awesome queen of the sky greatest plane ever made but the <laughs> the um this so this is like a new 747 at the time it was three years old um and it was only ever owned by ups no problems and it just had its big inspection in june of that year so it was like all checked out and like yeah it was looking good 
Um, our pilots are Captain Douglas and First Officer Matthew. Matthew, I should say. I was thinking, I was like, I want to call them Doug and Matt. Yeah. I have no way of knowing if they liked that. Um, so if I switch in between those, you you all get it. Yeah. Doug and Douglas, Matt and Matthew. So uh, Doug is 48 and he's from Louisville. Matt is 38 from Florida. And they're based in Anchorage, which I just love the adventurous spirit of yeah. these ads. Like, they're from the South and they, like, are pilots and they do the whole, like, cargo game. And you definitely go everywhere. Like, you'll actually go yeah. everywhere, right? Like, all kinds of um, wild, faraway places. And I don't know. And then getting based in Anchorage, like, that's, right? I just love just the adventurous life. That, yeah. Like, I wonder how does that work though? They have to fly to Anchorage and then fly the plane from Anchorage. So it, it, I think, with a base like Anchorage, you would pretty much have to live in Alaska. That would be my best guess. I don't, I don't know if you could be like people can be based in Detroit and live in Buffalo or something like that. Um, I think it'd be really tricky to be live anywhere besides Anchorage if you're based in Anchorage. Gotcha. So. The cargo flight, it's just the two of them on board. Nobody else. Uh, in the good old days, there were three people um, flying a 747, but this is the future, baby, 2010. Only two people in the cockpit. Um, the flight is not so long that they're going to need to like switch off. So it's two of them doing their thing, carrying their cargo. They uh, take off, no problem, from uh, DBX from Dubai. And... Uh, they take off at 6.42. And they're ascending. Their um, cruising altitude is going to be 37,000 feet. As they're ascending, five minutes into their ascent, uh, their pack one error message goes off. And pack one, the, the packs, there's three packs on board, a 747. And the packs are essentially what controls the... Uh, oxygen flow and like the pressurization and I think there's a this idea out there that once you're like locked into the plane only like the air that's on board the plane like that's all the air when you land like it's a balloon right Mm -hmm. like you start with that air and then when they you don't get any fresh air until they open the doors that's actually not true Um, there's like a complex system um, that actually they improved because of COVID there were already systems in place that would uh, it take air in from outside and circulate that air like being in your house with the window open or anything like that but there is like a system of circulating air Um, obviously it's complex there's like a system that takes air in and circulates some air within the cabin and the pack helps to maintain the packs somebody tell me if I misunderstood this of course but my understanding is that the packs um, like kind of regulate the the airflow, the oxygen, the pressurization kind of keep all of that stuff because on a cargo plane, the only pressurized portion or the only portion that will always be pressurized would be the flight deck, right? So the rest of the plane is usually going to be unpressurized unless you're transporting horses or something, you know what I mean? Something alive that needs to be pressurized. Um, So they get this little pack one ding air and they turn that puppy off and turn it back on and look, it works. Problem solved because that's that's what we do. Use usually we don't turn the whole thing on and off, but we turn the one thing on and off. And the error went off, and so they kept 
fine. Yeah. When when pilots are doing that in these stories, right? We're hearing these stories because something was wrong, but they're not being like incompetent or um, using poor judgment when they uh, flip it off, flip it back on, or hit the breaker or whatever they do, and then keep flying when the problem is solved because that's a totally normal thing. Planes are so 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 complex that little stuff is going to like get a funky reading or something so pilots i just want to like say that out loud that in these stories when some kind of error message shows and the pilots make it turn off essentially and then assume nothing is wrong that's not them being negligent gotcha so a few minutes later right so they are continuing to ascend and they're coming close to 32,000 feet, right? Cruising altitude. The fire warning sounds. The fire alarm okay. goes off. That's not good. No. So the the co-pilot, Matt, uh, is flying the plane because that's standard for the first officer to fly the plane for takeoff and landing because they need the practice. So right now, Matt is flying the plane. Fire alarm goes off. Um, so the captain says, okay, I'm going to fly the plane and I'm going to communicate with air traffic control. You run through the checklists. So there's this concept in aviation that I think we've mentioned before. It's like aviate, navigate, communicate. Have we talked about that before? I don't think so. Maybe. It's that's it's basically like PEMDAS for, for oh uh, pilots. Perfect. Where like the order of operations. So the, the first thing is always aviate, like fly the plane. That's always your first priority. Okay. Everything else comes second to flying the plane. Um, navigate is know where you are in space, know where you're going. Like, you know, just that you have to keep the plane in the air. You have to get the plane going in the right direction. And then communication. Communication is obviously super important. That doesn't mean communicating with the person helping you fly the plane. That means communicating with the air traffic control or other people outside of the aircraft. So the captain takes care of aviate and communicate and passes off, I guess, the other half of the aviate portion to the first officer. He's saying you go through the checklist. And for anybody who's not aware... Uh, anything that can go wrong on a plane has a checklist and that's like a, again another order of operations like very straightforward like if this happens you do this 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 in this order mm-hmm. and like checklists are as far as I can tell 90% of being a pilot yes. um, <laughs> the captain contacts air traffic control uh, and said uh, you know hey I just got a fire indication on the flight deck right I need to land right away Air traffic says, okay, so from where you are, you have Doha, uh, which is the Qatar airport. Mm-hmm. Is That's 100 miles away. And the captain asks uh, how far are we from Dubai, right, where we just came from, mm-hmm. right? And they said it was like 120 nautical miles, which again, so that's a very, very small difference between, you know, for a plane that's going hundreds of miles an hour, right? right. So the captain says like, okay, let's just go back to dubai right which i it seems i think that's kind of a pattern i think there's probably a lot of wisdom in the idea that instead of going to an airport that you maybe haven't seen in a long time or maybe you've never landed there you go back to the Mm -hmm. airport that you just were at the airport you just landed at so you are familiar with it you know you think that you're you're not exactly sure what's going on with the plane there might be other reasons but essentially he just said like okay let's just turn around and go right back to where we just came from so Doug and Matt are talking and the 
captain decides to declare an emergency. So he declares the emergency. As they're flying away from Dubai, they've already crossed into Bahrain airspace, mm. right? So when they declare the emergency and when they make the decision to fly back to Dubai, they're making that communication with the Bahrain air traffic control. So they start to turn around. Bahrain tells them to descend to 28,000 feet. The first officer is, you know, running through the checklists. He activates the fire suppression system, which is part of the checklist. So the fire suppression system uh, depressurizes the cargo hold and sucks all of the oxygen out to try to starve any flames that might be present there. So that's one of the nice things about having like a lot of control over the oxygen on board the plane. Hopefully you can just starve any any fire that develops, mm-hmm. right? You can just cut off the oxygen supply and hope that it goes out. So they both put on their oxygen masks. A few minutes later, a second fire alarm goes oh, off for another part of the aircraft. The fire suppression system did not work. And the fire has spread into another portion of the plane. Next, the the pack one light dings. The first air message they got goes off again. And before it didn't necessarily mean anything or might have meant nothing. But in this case, the packs are what keep air, clean air, oxygen flowing into the cockpit And in the case of a fire, it's also what keeps smoke from entering the cockpit. So as that air message goes off, smoke starts to drift into the cockpit. The captain says we need an immediate descent to 10,000 feet. We need to get down right away. So they have the uh, permission to descend to 10,000 feet immediately. They're not that far from the airport, Right. right? They're really not that far. The captain... Uh, informs air traffic control that the cockpit is now full of smoke. Mm. As the cockpit fills with smoke, anybody who's ever had the misfortune of being in an environment where there was a ton of smoke, you you can't see. So they they can breathe because they have the oxygen Mm. masks on, but they're losing their ability to see. They have goggles, is my understanding, but kind of just like your basic goggles. So probably some smoke is getting into their eyes, just like the irritation that comes along with um, being around smoke, but it's not as blinding as um, the thick smoke in the cabin is, Mm. right? The captain, they're at 10,000 feet now, and the captain disengages the autopilot so that he can fly the plane manually to um, bring it in and land it. As soon as he disengages the autopilot, he realizes that he has no elevator control, and uh, the elevator controls are what control the pitch of the plane, basically what control which direction the nose is pointing, Mm -hmm. up or down. So as soon as he turns off the autopilot, the plane starts to pitch wildly, right? So they lose, they realize they don't have any control of the elevators and they cannot control the pitch of the plane, which the aircraft, that was one of the first stories we ever did. That's essentially impossible, especially on a 747, which doesn't have a third engine on the tail, right? Where you can get some pitch control. A 747 just has the wing, the engines on each wing. So without pitch control, the plane is, the plane is totally impossible to fly and definitely impossible to land fire had had destroyed all of the control cables going to the elevators 
but the captain manages to turn the autopilot back on which all by itself he had to like do that from muscle memory they cannot see the flight controls so he managed to turn the autopilot back on and for whatever reason the autopilot still was able to control the elevators so as soon as he turned yeah so as soon as he turned on the um the autopilot the uh, plane leveled out and continued to fly in the direction where they were going the captain asks the first officer so Doug asks Matt can you see anything and Matt says no I, I can't see anything anywhere they fly like this level blind on autopilot moving in the right direction for several minutes oh my god as they are flying closer to Dubai, they are not going to be able to see. They cannot see out. They cannot see out the uh, windows. They can't see out the windshield or whatever. They can't see their flight controls. They're essentially totally blind, flying from muscle memory. They're connected to the Bahrain air traffic control. They cannot can change that because they, they can't find the correct frequency so they have to keep talking to Bahrain but they're going to leave the range of the Bahrain radios so as they're flying in right they they also they don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work so they can't see to fly the plane right they can't see to land the plane they can't see their instruments to land the version of blind that pilots sometimes have to so they need their um, ILS system to work, but they have no way of knowing if it will. And the ILS system is a system that will land a plane on its own. So as they're trying to figure out what to do and the exact heading that they need to get on, right? Because they don't know if they're in the exact space. They don't know exactly where they are in space. They uh, call Bahrain and say like, okay, well, we need um, runway 12L, just whatever. They need the, this specific runway the captain's pretty sure that they're lined up for it. The uh, Bahrainian, I don't know if that's right, but the Bahrainian uh, air traffic control is relaying these messages to Dubai, right? So there's a delay. So the captain says something to Bahrain. Bahrain says something to Dubai. Dubai gives them the answer. They give them the answer back. So there's this relay system that that prevents the communication from being instantaneous. But there's you know, probably a dozen people sitting around trying desperately to, like, keep this plane in the air. As they're going through that process, that relay process, right, and the captain says, like, this is the runway I want to land on. This is the what I think we're lined up for, but I don't know that. Uh, the answer that the that Bahrain gives them is land at your discretion, right? Which, no, there's no discretion. Right. I do not have discretion. I need you to tell me exactly where to land, right? But the captain just says, can you give me a heading? So he asks Bahrain for a heading. Bahrain relays that message to Dubai. <clears throat> Dubai calls back with the heading. So finally they get their heading. Yeah. As that hap- happens, the captain starts to run out of oxygen. Oof. And says he and he says out loud, I have no oxygen. And Matt turns to him and says, Hold on, are you what? Like, are you okay? And Doug says, I, I've got no oxygen. I can't breathe. Oh, no. You have to fly the plane. You fly the plane. Matt says, Okay, I'm good. I got it. The captain gets up because there is 
the portable oxygen that's in the cabin behind them, not the cabin, but like a cabinet rather behind Mm -hmm. them. So it's behind the captain's seat. So he needs to get up and go to retrieve that. As he gets up, he collapses and passes out. So now Matt is alone in the cabin flying one of the biggest planes on earth and it's on fire and he's completely blind and he can't even talk to the the airport that he's trying to land at he's blind in every way right blind to his controls blind to see outdoors and now he's alone the first officer calls out into the air traffic control like mayday 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 can you hear me can you hear me the uh, Bahrain says, yes, yes, we can hear you, but they're running. It's like crackling. They're like running out. They're leaving the range, right? The first officer, Matt, says, uh, sir, like, we're going to have to stay with you. We can't switch over to Dubai because if we switch, we there's no way of seeing what frequency we're on. So we have to, you cannot, because the uh, Dubai, keep, or pardon me, Bahrain keeps saying, Bahrain keeps telling them, like, you should switch over to Dubai, right? Because we're going to lose you. You have to switch to Dubai. And Matt, all by himself, blind on this burning plane, says, I have to stay with you. I have no other option. I have to stay with you. Please, like, and I understand. I mean, it's he's right. He's right. It's just also they're both right. It's impossible. But that is his only option. So. Bahrain loses them, can't hear them. So he uh, calls out to all the planes in the area and basically like picks one of these fly Dubai planes and says like, you relay messages with this plane. So the fly Dubai plane uh, captain starts to relay messages to him. Uh, But as he's relaying these like minor messages, that fly Dubai plane is also leaving the range because these are all in movement, right? They're all in motion. So the Bahrain uh, air traffic controller is picking planes individually as they pass through the range that can communicate with both of these like radios right he's like you 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 like send this message or send this message or send this message so it's extremely and those are other people flying planes Mm -hmm. right so the communication is very 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 slow it's getting to be two minutes between some of the messages sometimes as he's trying as he's getting closer and closer to dubai where he needs to land totally blind the uh finally the Uh, air traffic controller in Bahrain like kind of orders this government plane to just tail like basically to fly in between them to stay within the range to fly directly between the um, UPS 6 our plane Matt and Doug and the uh, Bahrain airport so as this is happening so they're flying uh the government plane is flying behind and between the two radios they have something that's at least going to be consistent right something where the plane it's the the third plane the relay isn't going to leave the range they're 10 minutes away from dubai 10 minutes away from dubai the first officer calls into the you know to the government plane so the government plane can ask bahrain so bahrain can ask dubai 
So Dubai can send the message back to that relay. He says, okay, I need speed. I need heading. I need altitude. Like I need all this information. I have none of it on board the plane and I need Mm. to land within the next 10 minutes. The answer he gets is you are cleared for landing. And, and I know that that's again, be, not because people don't want to help him, but because of the insanity of this extremely, extremely difficult relay s- mm. system. They are running out of time. The first officer decides that he's just going to turn on the ILS. They, Matt turns, decides that he's just going to turn on the ILS system and hope that he's close enough to pick up the um, frequencies. So the ILS system directly communicates with these sensors that are posted all around the airport, right? And those sensors are uh, send information between the plane and the airport all electronically that help the plane land without a pilot having to do anything right so he he hopes that he's close enough or hopes he's in the right spot because again he does not know how high he is he does not know where he is in space and he Mm -hmm. cannot see so he flips on the ILS and it connects to everything except the information that would provide him with his glide slope, meaning that he doesn't have altitude or speed information. So he's lined up with the airport. He's lined up with the runway, but his plane is not able to tell how high he is or how fast he is. So going back to that idea, if you go too slow, you fall out of the sky or you don't quite make it to the runway. And if you go too fast, uh, you'll, you won't be able to land, right? If the plane is going too fast, then you have too much lift and you're not able to actually put the plane down. So Matt's going for it. Is he, he decides he's going to go for it. He tries to drop the landing gear and the landing gear doesn't drop. So he's right there. He's right there. He calls out to air traffic control that his landing gear didn't drop. This slow relay starts to hop back and forth. And as that's happening, he's flying over the runway. He's directly lined up with it. But he's overflying it by a couple thousand feet. So as he's overflying it, the message he gets is... Can you make a 360 degree turn, like a yeah. go around? Can you come back around and try to land? And he no. says, no, <laughs> no, I can't. I physically right. can't. The cabin is getting hotter and hotter. And again, he's totally blind. The um, government plane says, wait, this airport is only 10 miles away to your left. There's a different airport. Turn left and you know, you'll get your next chance, right? So he said, I, I don't know which way is like, I can't turn left. Like what heading do I go on? And they say heading 95, right? He's blind. He tries to type in 95 and instead he types in 195, which turns him to the, in the opposite nice. direction. So he needs to turn left. He turns right. He realizes that's wrong, right? He knows that 95 is going to be to the left and that his plane is turning right. So he decides to disengage the autopilot to try to correct the turn. As he disengages the autopilot, the elevators fail and the plane pitches down and finally crashes into an airfield 
and both pilots died. The fire burned intensely. Mm. And after they were finally able to put it out, the plane was totally, completely destroyed. Wow. There, I'll say it like this. So it took three years to put out the report as to the cause of the crash. Jeez. But a couple months after the crash, the FAA said, hey, what were you carrying on that cargo flight, UPS? Oh, shit. 81,000 lithium batteries. Are you kidding me? 81,000 lithium batteries, as well as other combustible materials. Whatever those were. So the fire burned so intensely and totally destroyed the entire plane and everything in it. So the FAA was very suspicious of the lithium batteries. And then three years later, when the report came out, they said it was the lithium batteries. The lithium batteries in the cabin spontaneously combusted. And lithium, so if you set a lithium battery on fire, you'll, you'll, you will be burned horribly. But you'll also, yeah. if you do that and then you drop it in a bucket of water, it will burn underwater. It, a wow. lithium, yeah, lithium batteries burn at an insane, intense, I don't know how any of it works, but it, it's, it's an extreme flammable, toxic, hazardous material. And it was just because they were all together that it had started? Well, so that's in 2010 or maybe in early 2011. Maybe you might remember um, the messaging. Like uh, if you went on a plane, they would tell you to make sure that you did not uh, put any lithium batteries in the uh, cargo. Right. Because it's not a pressurized cabin. And um, do, do you remember? Do you remember the hoverboards that were catching fire on planes for a while oh my god yeah yeah those are lithium batteries right Right. so something about the pressurization or just the nature of flying Mm. um anybody who has like a vape honestly a lot of times they can burst or catch fire oh my god the galaxy note whatever that one was when that whole thing happened that was guys it was serious business at the airport i don't know if you flew during that time but the Galaxy Note was uh, very, very, very scary because a couple of them did catch fire on board planes. Mm. And thankfully, the aviation community is very, very, very intense on not letting anything like this happen again. Mm-hmm. But uh. so, what? Like, did they have they never flown? Not like the pilots, obviously, but. Have they never flown with lithium batteries before like that? Like, no, that's it's it's like it's like everything else, I guess. Right. So you can probably do it a 100 times and nothing will happen. 
like most of the galaxy notes didn't explode mm. most things right. like you can do it a hundred times and nothing will happen it, it's like the um how you have to have your plane in airport mode or airplane mode yeah there was exactly one time in history where the um connection that or the whatever the thing that a computer or phone was putting out interfered with the mm. communication um well with the radios right and all of the communication that planes need to do one time one man's <laughs> device did that mm. and i think that was in like 2002 or 2003 and they were like nope 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 never airplane. again right never again and people say all the time like oh i never put my plane in my phone in airport i never put my plane my god <laughs> <laughs> i never put my phone in airplane mode right and it's like yeah yeah, that's, I mean, bad on you for not listening to the crew instructions, but like, yeah, right. most of the time nothing will happen. But sometimes something like this happens. God. That is awful. And like the fact that it lasted so long, they held on for so long. They held on for so long. Like so friggin' long. And like they tried so hard. Like all of those different planes relaying the messages that that relay race is is terrible, right? It's yeah. terrible that that happened. But like he flew that plane blind for like 25 minutes. It was like yeah. the whole thing from the first fire warning to the um end was 27 minutes and mm. the smoke started to enter the cabin a only a couple minutes after that alarm went off so they were totally completely blind like i just have that image i can't it's like being i like being it's in a so dark frustrating so frustrating like being so in a dark like closet where you can't see anything yeah oh and then on. to have your captain oh like i know i know and like goodness. what like we'll never know what happened to his oxygen mask like why did yeah. he run out of air and like can you imagine being the captain and like he was staying with it like he they were they both stayed so in it yeah like and, they were going to land that plane yeah they were they were freaking positive they were gonna win that plane they tried so hard and just i i will never know like again what happened to the captains to captain doug's oxygen, oxygen. and but, but I, I mean he's 48 right he's a pilot he's a professional pilots are chosen for temperament and um yep. have to like have a ton of physicals to make sure they're physically healthy and all of that mm. but i just think about in that heightened state how hard it would be to like you could be outside with all the air in the world sitting at the beach and feel like you can't breathe right yeah. if you're that if you're in this heightened state or if you're mm -hmm. in this like horrifying horrifying life and death uh, like betrayal like your equipment just betraying you over and over and you know how to land the plane like if he could see he they could have landed it yeah yeah no problem goodness gracious that's i don't know that's a lot of the times with these stories like there's a difference between how do i say this like planes where something breaks 
where like one thing goes wrong, one thing on the plane breaks, right? Yeah. And sometimes that thing is too vital and the plane can't stay in the air. But a lot of times, like if one thing breaks, the pilots can like put their heads together and like, you know, figure out a way to like, okay, so that that part of the plane does this job like we can figure out if any other part of the plane can do that job instead or if your plane just shuts off on you and you glide mm -hmm. right like there's things that where you can like figure a way out but I hate all of these stories with fire because the fire just tears through everything right it just tears through everything and you like lose more and more of your ability like you lose your ability to fly the plane increasingly like yeah. you get so close and then God. when you can't see it right and it, it's just like you know that it's there you're not really sure where it is you know that it's happening yeah it's like marco polo for your literally life. yeah like, uh, i just feel like i can't i don't want to in any way like take attention away from the pilots at all but i do also think about how just how horrifying it had to be in the air traffic control offices oh my god yeah like oh i don't know yeah were there any other casualties like when no, they landed no 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 yeah everybody <sighs> else which again that was no guarantee by no. any stretch I know this whole time I'm thinking they're going to crash into like a friggin' village or something. Right. Seriously. <laughs> they, they landed yeah. in a field at like yeah. a military base. That's yeah. wild. That is really wild. Yeah. And I, I mean, we talk about like times where pilots intentionally choose to yeah. like choose where they're going to crash in order to like mitigate the loss of life. Yeah. And that he he didn't he couldn't yeah, and there I was think no he way would to. have. I think if he could have seen, I think that he would have aimed his plane as best he could somewhere. Yeah. God, I just hate because there's no way of knowing if he had typed in like nine five instead of one nine five. There's no way say. of knowing if yeah. they would have made it. Right. Um, but gosh, I just hate it. I hate the story. I love, I love the people in it, and I hate yeah. the ending so much. It's just so close. It's so fucking close. God, he overflew the the runway because he didn't know because he couldn't communicate. Right. Like he couldn't communicate where he was. He didn't know how high or how fast he needed to go because the ILS connected but didn't connect all the way. And then his like the uh, <sighs> the landing right. gear, the landing gear betrayed like just not. God. I know, like, probably betrayal is, like, a weird way to conceive of all of this, but mm. I don't know. I've felt, like, betrayed by my car before if, like, yeah. everything's going fine and then you had to do this. Right. But I just think for pilots, I mean, they're I for truck drivers, right, and people who mm -hmm. drive professionally, they, you know, you anytime where you spend a lot of time with, like, a piece of machinery that travels with you and that you use and, like, live in, your job is that machine right your yeah. job is that transportation i don't know maybe i'm crazy or maybe just not everyone would conceive of it that way and that's fine but i yeah. just feel like something about that just elicits that feeling of betrayal to me i yeah. don't know well because it's and it's also multiple things failing 
Right. That it's like thing after thing after thing where it's like if if even one of those situations would have worked out, there may have been like a different outcome. Right. And so it's just like constant like thing after thing. Right. Like you fight and like get past one thing yeah. and then like you get past the fact that you can't communicate with air traffic control, but then oh no, you can't you the the relay takes too much time or the the plane like flies out of range or right. like you know just you can't see so you like you can't see so you have to depend on your communication or you and your or your co-pilot are working together and then your your freaking mask betrays you like right right like all in and you're in the midst of all of this and oh you're out of oxygen oh uh, uh, was there yeah. anything um like, did UPS do anything for Doug and Matt, like their families? Do you know or I don't know. didn't say? I would love to know that. I, I didn't read that, but I would love to know that. Yeah. I know UPS um, did create, because besides, I mean, the lithium battery thing, the they the government made new regulations for that. Yeah. And one of the regulations is like these like very special kind of like hazmat containers that mm. they ship lithium batteries in now yeah. or lithium things that have lithium batteries in them, I guess. UPS made a new improved mask that like would hopefully be more substantial or more useful in this case i truly yeah. don't know if anybody's like a firefighter and you know i truly don't know if there's smoke between you and the thing you need to see there isn't a mask that can fix that for you right like i don't right. know and well, it's i wonder like why voice... his went off and matt's didn't right right like, that seems really bizarre and they never figured that part out right because the plane was trash yeah there was just no way if you look at like <sighs> images of it it's just gosh it's, you would never guess like on seeing the picture that a plane had ever been there you know well, usually there's like even in horrible crashes that involve fires usually there's like the tips of the wings right yeah right there's just nothing and that's because lithium batteries burn at such like an intense inconceivable heat jeez but i would love to know if anybody if ups did something for doug and matt because yeah. they deserved it like nobody else ever has and ah i don't know god you yeah imagine? it's like, just like know. a sad story it's just a really fucking sad story Right, because if you keep it, it, only gets sadder the more you think about it. Yeah. Right. Like God, like I don't know. They're like, imagine your husband's a pilot for UPS, so you get all the like flight benefits and stuff, and the hours are better or whatever. You have less, you know. Usually he has less to worry about because you because he like uh, doesn't have to deal with passengers, and they don't have a lot of delays because yeah. they fly overnight, and they're not competing for the same airspace. And he's like, maybe I'll go to Anchorage. Like, would that be cool? We could live in Anchorage for a couple of years. Right. And I'd be like, yes, that sounds so cool. Like, let's live in Alaska. That's so different. We can look at bears and mountains and like, <laughs> god damn it. Right. Fuck. Ah. Ah. It's worst case scenario. Yeah. And it's like that that idea of I don't know, like expansion and like humans trying to figure out different things and different ways to do things. But like, you know, <laughs> there are 
human casualties to to doing that and it's just like usually the people who are the casualties don't sign up to be like you know test runs on this not that they were like testing the lithium batteries but it's like we don't know we don't really know do we if it's gonna explode or not you know i mean i i actually was thinking about that idea that um like friend of the show steve i i'll ask him before i actually post this if it's okay to say what he does um for a living (laughs) uh for a day job but um he works in he like drives a big truck to drive Mm. um different like fuel places right and deliver it to people's houses and stuff like that steve if i've misrepresented your job i'm so sorry (laughs) but um he has like a special certification for like driving hazardous materials right yeah and i hope that comes with some kind of like pay bump because you're working with um something that's dangerous right dangerous in a way that like hauling corn isn't right Right. and like god bless you if you haul corn but thank god it can't burst i mean it won't burn like fuel right so i have no pilots do have a little bit of information about what's on board they know if there's hazmat Mm. um on board but i have no reason to think that they get I have no knowledge of how much of a say they have in that. I do not think that a UPS that a UPS pilot is allowed to say like I don't know if that's safe. Like it's not like he can right. decline it. And oops, gonna drop my phone. Um, but he and I don't know if it's even this is it's always this way, right? Like I mean, cars are the best right it's so nice that we get to drive places it's so great that you and i can hop down to dc (laughs) on a whim right (laughs) but yeah but uh, it's also the main thing that kills people our age right like it's it's yeah it's dangerous and i don't know what to do with that because okay so this happened and so like the the industry responded to it right as best they can And stuff like this will happen again. Yeah. Versions of this will. And yeah. I don't know. Right. Because it's like, do we stop doing things altogether? Like, that's obviously not going to happen. No. Right. And, like, if you don't. So, if you don't. If you don't, like, create new things and, like, create progress. Right. Then you'll just die of the old stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you'll exactly. die of what you used to die of. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, we can we can both be dead of you know childhood diseases yep. or whatever so right we're we're not against progress not at it's just all sad it's just so sad when this these like unintended consequences yeah. happen right and it's just the reality of it and right. it's it's more of i don't know i think it's more about like focusing on the mortality of of everything like because it's an overall like overarching purpose to this story you know of like morality and i don't know it's just it's heavy it's very heavy and it's very sad it's very very sad because normally it's like you know we when we've done these in the past and even before we started recording of like many times of telling stories about plane crashes (laughs) between us I don't know if I've ever heard one that has lasted like they were fighting for so long, you know, and that's, no, I usually, that's yeah. like the, the hardest part for me to get over because that's just like, you know, 25, 30 minutes of just pure hell. Right. 
Yeah. One of the flights I've said that, like, I don't know if I can do, but I want to do because I think it's important is the Alaskan Airlines flight that all y'all will probably know what I'm talking about. Mm. But, um, and that, uh, I just, I think that there's something about, like, where they're kept being like, okay, we can try this or like, okay, this is working. Like, we turn the, the autopilot back on and it worked. And there's a piece that I actually don't know. Um, so the captain the captain was flying the plane and realized that when he turned the autopilot off the elevators didn't work so the captain had that experience he was flying the plane good beautiful marvelous brave dog Mm -hmm. was flying the plane when the first time he realized yeah when he realized that you can't turn the autopilot off so in all of that insane chaos right i can definitely imagine the impulse as the as Matt was now flying the plane all by himself to do exactly what you're trained to do right which is flip off the autopilot and fly the plane yourself Mm. right it's not like it was wrong and it's not like if he didn't do that where was he going to go he's going in the wrong direction and he can't tell the plane to go in the right direction right exactly you know what I mean so that's but I just think about like that like last ditch effort mm. right? like just to try and hope yeah. oh but... goodness I, don't know. I will say one thing thank god they didn't fucking blame the pilots on this one yeah like, seriously fuck off right seriously i know this would have been a bad one to try that on i hope that pilots would have all like gone on strike seriously? if they did that but, the world yeah. economy is just shut down. Good. Stop blaming. Yep. Don't blame the pilots when the their plane caught them. Yeah, there when you have eighty thousand lithium batteries on board. Uh, yeah, literally yeah. eighty thousand. It's not even an exaggeration. Right. But there's um. So if you are more interested in this story, if you want to learn more about it, um, the Flight Channel did a really beautiful. Uh, video about it AJ who's another um, channel on YouTube did a really nice video about it and I think there's an episode of the Smithsonian's like air crash investigation Mm. show about this I don't know if you can find it I've only been able to find clips but that's you know more about the investigation side which did again last a really long time even though they kind of knew early on they kind of knew early on but the actual investigation, probably because it was hard to, they had to rule stuff out instead of ruling stuff in because they didn't, didn't have a plane, right? right? But, um, And there yeah. was the, like, um, what's that thing called? The black box? Is that a thing? Did that? Yeah, okay. yep. yep. They found that? And... Yeah. They did. That's amazing they to did. me that that thing can survive an explosion. It's, it. I think that's one of the things, like, the black box, like, all of that, like, flight data recorder, the CVR, like, they are made to survive unimaginable conditions, right? Like, whenever we find, whenever we find Malaysian Airlines, (laughs) the Malaysian Airlines plane, right, the the black box will almost certainly be totally intact, right? I guess it's possible that it wouldn't be, but it definitely should be. And, like... Okay, if you're like a 9-11 truther, just turn this off now. But I remember people saying, why didn't we find the black box with like when the planes hit the Twin Towers? And it's like, 
okay, listen. <laughs> they worked real hard on designing them to be very resilient. Yeah. Nothing, nothing could survive all of no. that. Okay? There was that a lot going on that gonna... day anyways. Yeah, seriously. Like, I love your faith in the engineering ability of whoever designs black boxes, but that was not going to happen. No. But, like, and, I mean, even if it did, like, I, I mean, that we have the black box from um, yeah. Flight 94, 98, yeah. whichever the one that um, crashed in. I think we have both. I think we have the one from the Pentagon and the one that crashed in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, oh, <sighs> but... So, I don't know. I wish we had more power to, like, I think this is what everybody always wishes, right? That you could, in some way, like, memorialize or yeah. honor or, like, you that impulse to just, like, I don't know, re- respect somebody or whatever. Like, there's nothing we can do besides tell these stories, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. Just, like, I don't know. I just have so, so, so much respect and admiration for these pilots yeah. and for everybody who tried so hard yeah. right like ah like the plane that was following him right it just I, I didn't say this just because it's too much but he he the the plane that was following the government plane that was following matt and doug right ups6 he knew that he didn't really know his altitude mm. right and he didn't know that Matt had turned off the autopilot because oh. he has no way of knowing that, right? He's in another right. plane. And, like, the last thing he said before the plane crashed was, like, basically, you're you're going to crash. Like, you need to pull up immediately. Like, hey, like, you need God. to ascend immediately. And just, like, he tried. Like, he had to watch this plane yeah. crash that he'd been trying so hard to save. And he's the only one hearing Matt's voice, oh. right? Everybody else is getting, everybody else is getting the relay. Yeah. That pilot, another pilot, another person who does the same work has to follow him and hear his voice. Yeah. So like, yeah, that pilot too. Like, yeah. I, you deserve respect too. I don't know, all of right. them. And everybody who works in transportation, yeah. as always. Goodness. <sighs> yeah, if you're a regular UPS driver or you work at the factory or the, not factory, warehouse, you too, man. Yeah. Life is hard. Yeah, it really is. My word. Well. (sighs) So there's no funny chit chat today. Because this is long and sad. But I love you very much. Thanks for telling that story. Oh. And giving Doug and Matt a place. Oh. They deserve a place. (sighs) If you want to email us and talk more about doug and matt or if you want to talk about anything (laughs) lithium batteries or i don't know if if you worked on a flight or at the airport when somebody's hoverboard burst or anything or if you had a galaxy note (laughs) eight or six or whatever whatever if you want to have a chat with us you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok and instagram thank you to all of our new instagram followers we love you so so much we are crazy about all of you and we love to hear from you 100 percent. it's too ghost <laughs> it's it feels crass to talk about a promotion in this episode yeah. um so just email us <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and if you enjoy these stories if you enjoy these stories yeah tell your friends right like that's yeah. fun yeah absolutely i know we have a handful of new followers 
new yeah. listeners, I mean. New follow I guess followers yeah. and listeners. So two people oh yeah. I feel like buddies. More friends of yeah. the show. So thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. It's it, we love it. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> talk We're about like, it all the time. Oh, all the it's time. good. We love you. We love yeah. you so much and I love, love you. Love you, Casey. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. The promo that we alluded to but felt too sad to talk about when we recorded this is our sticker promo. So we got some uh, Pod Crashed stickers and we are going to send them out to people who share the link to The Pod Crashed uh, on any social media. Until we run out, we're pretty close to being out. But if you're one of the fine people who listen to this uh, nice and early, you can share a link to the podcast on any social media and then message us on Instagram or email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com with a screenshot showing us that you shared. And we will send you a sticker if we have any left. You can also share us just because you like us. And uh, obviously, we're very grateful for that. If you want to reach us for any other reason, particularly uh, to say hi, or if you have a correction, uh, you can email us again at thepodcrashed.gmail.com. Thank you so, so much for sharing this story with us. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.